Good evening, everyone, and welcome to our service this evening. We are truly thankful for your presence, for the members of God's family here, for those of you from Sister Congregation. And as our brother mentioned, we are especially honored to have those of you who are visiting with us from the community. We want you to know that you're among friends, that you are among people who care about you, people who love God and who love his word. And we invite you now to join with us for the next little while in the study of God's Word. In this series of lessons, we are focusing on the subject, Faith is the Victory. We often sing that song. It's a beautiful song. It's a stirring song. In 1 John chapter 5 and verse 4, this is the victory. Our faith. We're talking about that this week. We've looked at a number of things thus far. In Sunday school, we talked about a faith relationship, that it should be my God and I. During the worship hour Sunday morning, we talked about how Christ must be the object of our faith. And then on Sunday evening, we looked at four key components of our faith. That begins with revelation learning the will of God, response, doing the will of God, relationship, walking with God, and reward, the witness of God. Last evening, we spent some time together running with the winners. We found that we can run with the winners because they teach us that faith cleanses all kind of sin and faith changes all kind of people. There were other points as well. Tomorrow evening, we will conclude our series by talking about the other side of faith. If you notice in chapter 11 of Hebrews, in the midst of verse 35, the tone of the chapter completely changes when it says, others were. We'll talk about the fact tomorrow evening that the life of faith is very costly, but the life of faith is very rewarding. Sometimes they will advertise that a particular movie is for the mature. Well, the lesson tomorrow evening is for those who are spiritually mature. A very important and a very needed lesson. Tonight we are talking much along our theme of the week about faith as the victory. We are talking about a victorious faith. And again, we're studying in Hebrews chapter 11. You'll want to open your Bible there. We hear a great deal today about success. We all want to be successful. And we are all in this assembly this evening because we want to be successful spiritually. In 1 Corinthians chapter 9, as we find in Hebrews chapter 11 and chapter 12, the image is used of a runner. In Hebrews, in 1 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 24, do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but one receives the prize? Run in such a way that you may obtain it. This evening we are going to be talking about victory. You might find it interesting to know that the word victory in the New Testament is from the Greek word Nike. 
And that word literally means to conquer, to prevail, to overcome, or to win. What you probably didn't recognize in that word Nike is that when you anglicize that word, transliterate that word, it is spelled N-I-K-E. You're familiar with that, aren't you? When you wear your Nikes, that comes from the Greek word for victory. We're talking about victorious faith this evening. And when we talk about spiritual victory, we are talking about the Lord Jesus Christ. 2 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 14, Thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph through Christ. So when we're talking about spiritual victory, we're talking about our Lord. And when we're talking about spiritual victory, we're talking about our faith, as we saw in 1 John chapter 5 and verse 4. Hebrews 11 is about victorious faith. Hebrews 11 teems with life. Hebrews 11, as we've already seen, as we will continue to see tonight and tomorrow evening, is a chapter that is filled with lessons for us. Well, let's again this evening run with the winners. And let's learn from the different characters, named and unnamed, different aspects about what we want our faith to be so that we can be victorious winners in the race of faith. First of all, I want you to notice in verse 4 this evening the reference to Abel. The Bible says, by faith Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, through which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts, and through it, though, through it he being dead still speaks. What kind of faith did Abel have? Folks, Abel had a faith to die for. We read the story of Cain and Abel in Genesis chapter 4 and verses 1 through 8. And what we find is that Abel, first of all, had a saving faith. He trusted God. He did what God told him to do. Notice in verse 4 that God declared him to be righteous. His brother Cain, however, sought to do his own thing. He sought his own way. I suppose there's a sense in which we would say that he was religious, but he was not righteous. And so what is the lesson? Well, the lesson is that we must worship God as he prescribes. As the master said, we must worship in spirit and in truth. John 4 and verse 24. That is, we must worship God by faith. Faith is doing what God said do in the way God said do it. May I suggest, in addition to having a saving faith, that Abel had a sacrificing faith. He was a worshiper of God. Notice verse 4. He offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain. Abel offered to God that which God had required. Additionally, Abel brought the very best that he had, and he offered that to God. What is the lesson for us? That we in our worship should offer to God the very best that we have. Let me give you the divine perspective on worship. And I personally find this helpful. I hope that you will. 
In 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 5, we read that we are a holy priesthood offering up spiritual sacrifices. Whenever you and I worship God, we should see ourselves as priests offering to God our spiritual sacrifice. In effect, saying to God, this is my worship to you. This is what you mean to me. In Hebrews chapter 13, verse 15, Therefore by him let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise to God, that is, the fruit of our lips giving thanks to his name. Abel had a faith to die for. He had a saving faith. He had a sacrificing faith. He also had a suffering faith. As we discussed last evening, and as we will do so in more detail tomorrow evening, the life of faith is not an easy life. God does not promise to pamper and to shelter us. You remember in the story that Abel lost his life, but he gained God's approval. Jim Elliott, who himself became a martyr, said this, He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. What is the lesson? The lesson is that Abel lived for eternity. So must we. We do that by faith. But not only was it a saving, sacrificing, and suffering faith, but Abel's faith was a speaking faith. As a matter of fact, if you'll look at the end of verse 4, he being dead still speaks. Folks, he is speaking to us even at this very hour. He's speaking to us right now. His faith speaks. What is the lesson? The lesson is that a life of faith is a life that speaks. It speaks while we are in this world, and it speaks when we pass from this world. In Revelation chapter 14, verse 13, Then I heard a voice from heaven saying to me, Write, Blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. Yes, says the Spirit, that they may rest from their labors and their works follow them. What kind of faith did Abel have? He had a faith to die for. What kind of faith do we need to have? We need to have a faith to die for. Now, if you would, move with me to verse 5, and let's look at Enoch. Verse 5 says, by Enoch, by faith, Enoch was taken away so that he did not see death and was not found because God had taken him. For before he was taken, he had this testimony that he pleased God. Now we read about Enoch in Genesis chapter 5 and verses 21 through 24. What kind of faith did Enoch have? Where Abel had a faith to die for, our point here is that Enoch had a faith 
to live for. He believed God. He lived in a dirty world, but he kept clean. He believed God's word. He believed God's warning. He believed God's promises. What is faith? Faith is taking God at his word. Faith is doing what God said do in the way God said do it. What's the lesson for us? If we are going to keep clean in this world, then we must live by faith in what God says. He also walked with God. The Bible says twice in Genesis 5.22 and 5.24 that Enoch walked with God. We've mentioned the meaning of that word walk several times already in this series. The Hebrew word halak means to be a traveling companion. Enoch traveled with God and God with Enoch. Someone suggested that Enoch must have agreed with God because Amos 3 and 3 says, can two walk together unless they are agreed? Well, that's accurate. Enoch knew that God was right. Enoch listened to God. Enoch lived by faith. What's the lesson for us? The lesson for us is that we need to walk with God. You know you can't have a better traveling companion than God, amen? Think of the strength and think of the protection. Enoch pleased God. That's what verse 5 says. He pleased God. The word that is translated pleased here is a Greek word that means to be well-pleasing. It literally means to gratify entirely. The idea that is, is that God was just pleased to the overflowing with Enoch. You know, you and I face three possible motives each day. We can live for ourselves. We can live for others. Or we can live for God. Enoch did not sacrifice the eternal for the temporal. Enoch did not sacrifice character for empty praise for success or for passing pleasures. What is the lesson for us? We must live to please God. That's what a life of faith does. How do we live to please God? We do it by faith. One of the questions that we need to frequently ask ourselves is this. Micah chapter 6 verse 7. Will the Lord be pleased? That's walking by faith. Enoch not only believed God and walked with God and pleased God, but he went to be with God. Notice that verse 5 says, he did not see death. Genesis 5 and 24 says, he was not, for God took him. In verse 5, in the New King James that I'm using, it says, Enoch was taken away. The King James Version says that he was translated. 
The original word in the Greek means that he was transported or that he was one who changed to the other side. Enoch had walked with God all of those years that Enoch being changed, transported to the other side, was not even an interruption. I like to think of it this way. Enoch been walking with God all of those years. And one day God said to Enoch, Enoch, just come on home with me. And he did. Now, what's the lesson? If you want to go home with God one day, you've got to walk with him each day. And you do that by faith. Enoch had faith to live by. Now, let's go to verse 7. Noah. What does the Bible say about Noah? Well, the story is in Genesis 6 through 9. But here in verse 7 it says, By faith Noah, being divinely warned of things not yet seen, moved with godly fear, prepared an ark for the saving of his household, by which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness which is according to faith. Now, what kind of faith did Noah have? Well, I want to suggest that Noah had total faith. Let me illustrate that. First of all, Noah's faith involved the whole person. His mind was involved. Notice verse 7 says that God warned him that the flood was coming. Being divinely warned of things not yet seen, his mind was involved. His emotions were involved. It says that he was moved with godly fear. His will was involved. He would not let anything stop him from building the ark. Verse 7 says he prepared an ark for the saving of his household. His life was involved. He lived, he built, he preached as God said. What is faith? Faith is doing what God said do in the way God said do it. Now, if you look at Genesis 6 and 22, it says, Thus did Noah, according to all that God commanded him, so did he. Noah had total faith. It was faith that involved the whole person. But Noah's faith also influenced his whole family. His obedient faith brought about the salvation of his whole household. He, his wife, his three sons, his three daughters-in-law. What's the lesson, folks? The lesson is the first place that we want our life of faith to have influence is with the members of our own families. Amen? I want you to venture back for a moment to the book of Nehemiah. Look with me in chapter 4 and in verse 14. Nehemiah is one of my favorite books of the Old Testament. I did a series at the Nashville School of Preaching not too long ago on Faith build our church building principles from the book of Nehemiah. 
13 principles, 13 chapters. It's a very practical, faith-building book. But as the enemies were threatening Nehemiah and the people, I want you to notice what Nehemiah said to them. In the midst of verse 14 of Nehemiah 4, do not be afraid of them. Remember the Lord, great and awesome, and fight for your brethren, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your houses. Folks, as we see America deteriorating, as we see some even departing from the Lord's church, we need to remember who we're fighting for. We are fighting for our great and awesome God, but we're also fighting for our own family's survival spiritually. Noah's faith influenced his whole family. Noah's faith indicted the whole world. You know, during the time that Noah was building the ark, he won no converts. But God did not judge Noah's ministry by numbers, nickels, and noise. He judged Noah's ministry by Noah's faithfulness. And in his faithfulness, Noah's life said something about other people's lives. Look in the midst of verse 7. It says, he condemned the world. His understanding condemned their ignorance. His humility condemned their pride. His faith condemned their unbelief. What is the lesson? Our visible faith ought to condemn the world. And by the way, that will not make you a popular person. If you look in John chapter 15 and look at verse 19, Jesus said to the disciples, if you were of the world, the world would love its own. But because you are not of the world, but I have chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. His faith indicted the whole world. And his faith inherited the whole blessing. Because of his faith and that of his family, they survived the flood. And they stepped out on a new earth. And if you and I live by faith, the Bible says we will inherit a new heaven and a new earth. What's the lesson? The lesson is that God rewards those who trust and obey. Remember that song, don't you? Trust and obey, for there's no other way. That's right. You know what that's called? Faith. Noah had total faith. Well, let's move next to Abraham and Sarah. We'll put them together. We read about them in verses 8 through 19. And the story of Abraham and Sarah is in Genesis 12 through 25. Let's begin with a statement in verse 13. What kind of faith did Abraham and Sarah have? 
they had the faith to live as pilgrims. Verse 13, these all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off, were assured of them, embraced them, and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. Allow me to summarize their lives, Abraham and Sarah. Folks, they had listening ears to hear the word of God. In verse 8, we read that when they were called to go out, they went. They had listening ears. Notice also in verse 8 that they had obedient feet. They obeyed. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out. They had listening ears. They had obedient feet. They also had steady eyes. Their attention fixed on the things of God. Verses 9 and 10. By faith he dwelt in the land of promise as in a foreign country, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. For he waited for the city which hath foundation, whose builder and maker was God. Listening ears, obedient feet, steady eyes, and dedicated hearts. Hearts that were centered on the heavenly. Verse 14. For those who say such things, that is, that they confess that they're strangers and pilgrims on the earth, those who say such things declare plainly that they seek a homeland. And truly, if they had called to mind the country from which they had come out, they would have had opportunity to return. But now they desire a better, that is, a heavenly country. Watch this. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. Listening ears, obedient feet, steady eyes, dedicated hearts. Doesn't their faith challenge us? Folks, they had the faith, I'm pointing here, you can look up there, uh, to receive the blessing. Why? Look at verse 11. They judged him, God, faithful who promised. When it came to their reproductive abilities, verse 11 says that Sarah was past age and Abraham, verse 12, was as good as dead. Their bodies were as good as dead, but their faith was not dead. Their faith was very much alive. And if you look in verse 12, you'll see that they had descendants like the sand and the stars. They had the faith to receive the blessing. Well, what is even more amazing is they had the faith to give up, to surrender the blessing. The story to me is beyond amazing. Look in verse 17. By faith Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac. And he who had received the promise offered up his only begotten son, of whom it was said, In Isaac your seed shall be called. Now stop there just a moment. 
Abraham and Sarah had waited for that promised son all of those years. All of the promises from Genesis 12 and on that God had made to them were wrapped up in that son Isaac. And then God says, Abraham, offer Isaac. Kill him. You talk about amazing faith. Abraham was at the point of doing it, wasn't it, when God intervened? How could he do it? Verse 19, concluding that God was able to raise him up even from the dead, from which he also received him in a figurative sense. God had so much faith in God, and Abraham had so much faith in God that he believed with all of God's promises in Isaac, if God said offer Isaac, then God was going to raise Isaac from the dead. Amazing faith. They had the faith to receive the blessing. They had the faith to surrender the blessing. What is the lesson for us? God wants us to have listening ears. God wants us to have obedient feet. God wants us to have steady eyes. God wants us to have dedicated hearts like Abraham and Sarah. It's called faith. What's the lesson? God wants us to have the faith to live as sojourners and pilgrims in this world. That's exactly what we're told to do in 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 11. Question. Where's our citizenship? Philippians 3.20 says our citizenship is in heaven. We live on this earth as sojourners and pilgrims if we live by faith. Well, let's move ahead. Look at verses 20 through 22. And this encompasses Genesis 21 through Genesis chapter 50. What kind of faith did Isaac, Jacob, and Joseph have? Well, let's just read it. By faith, Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau concerning things to come. By faith, Jacob, when he was dying, blessed each of, his son, each of the sons of Joseph and worshiped, leaning on the top of his staff. By faith, Joseph, when he was dying, made mention of the departure of the children of Israel and gave instructions concerning his bones. What kind of faith did Isaac... Jacob and Joseph have, they had faith for the future. Now, let me begin this point by suggesting that it would be hard to find three men more different from each other than Isaac, Jacob, and Joseph. Someone described Isaac as the son of a famous father and the father of a famous son. He had a remarkable birth and lived an ordinary life. Jacob was a master schemer, a manipulator. He died in peace after a lifetime of war. Joseph, well, Joseph is our knight in shining armor. Everything said about Joseph in the book of Genesis is good. So different but the thing that bound them together was their faith, especially their faith in the future. 
they all had faith in the future. Look at verses 20 through 22. Isaac blessed Jacob in reference to the future. Jacob blessed Joseph's sons in reference to the future. Joseph, in reference to the future, and they're going back to the promised land, gave instruction concerning his body. They all were looking to the future. They all felt that the future was secure. Why? Because they believed God's promises. What's the lesson? We need to have faith in the future. Verse 1, faith is the substance, that is the confidence and the assurance of things hoped for. Isaac, Jacob, and Joseph had faith for the future. Let's move ahead. Let's look at Moses. Verses 23 through 29 if you want to look over it real quick and catch up with us, you can read Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. That's where the story of Moses is. I want to say concerning Moses' faith that he had the faith to say no. And that faith, notice in verse 23, was first in his parents. They had the faith to say no. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden three months by his parents because they saw he was a beautiful child and they were not afraid of the king's command. You remember the story, don't you? Pharaoh was going to kill all of those babies. But they said no. They are a marvelous example of godly parents. They had faith. They had courage. They had a strategy for the raising of their children. What's the lesson for us? We need parents of the same caliber today. Now, let's look at Moses. Moses had faith to deny the life of Egypt. He had the faith to say no. Verse 24, by faith Moses, when he became of age, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he looked to the reward. By faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible." He goes on about his faith. But I think what you want to appreciate there is the action words. Refused. Choosing. Esteeming. Looking. Forsaking. Endured. And the key words out of that list to me are the words refused and the word forsook. The word refused is the Greek word arneomai, and it means to deny to oneself. And the word forsook, katalipo, means to abandon. When he came to Egypt, Moses refused it for himself, and he abandoned that life. He refused the position, the pleasure, the power, 
the promise of Egypt. He chose God and his people. What's the lesson for us? We too must say no to our Egypt, to the world. Do not love the world or the things that are in the world, 1 John 2, 15. Have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them, Ephesians 5 and verse 11. We must move along. Let's look at Joshua and Rahab. What kind of faith did they have? Verse 30 and 31. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they were encompassed for seven days. Now, who was leading? Joshua was. By faith, the harlot Rahab did not perish with those who did not believe when she had received the spies with peace. What kind of faith did they have? Joshua and Rahab, they had the faith to win. They had the faith to win. Now, again, it would be hard to find two people that were more different. Joshua was a Jewish general. Rahab was a Gentile prostitute. Joshua was a member of the covenant nation. Rahab was an outcast. Joshua was the conqueror. Rahab was the conquered. But what brought them together? Both won the victory at Jericho because of their faith. Joshua won a military victory. Rahab won a spiritual victory. How did Rahab win a spiritual victory? Well, James tells us in chapter 2 and verse 25 that she was justified by her obedient faith. Now, what's the lesson for us? We can have victory too if we walk by faith as Joshua and Rahab did. Well, there's one more section, and then we'll wrap it up. The Hebrews writer knew that it was impossible to name everyone who had successfully run the race of faith. So now look in verses 32 through 35. If you want to catch up on this, just read the Old Testament, all of it. The first thing I want you to notice is in verse 32. What more shall I say? For the time would fail me to tell of Gideon and Barak and Samson and Jephthah and of David and Samuel and of the prophets. Uh, the point I want to make there is God used a variety of people. We talked in an earlier lesson about how in heaven's hall of fame there are men, there are women, there are young and old, there are common, there are highborn, there are farmers and there are kings, there are shepherds and there are princes, there are prophets and there are prostitutes. God used a variety of people. And God solved a number of problems. Look in verses 33 and 34. Who through faith subdued kingdoms, worked righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouth of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, became valiant in battle, turned to flight the armies of the aliens. Women received their dead, raised to life again. Folks, what's the lesson right there? God can handle our problems. Amen? God can handle our problems.
Now, faith releases all kind of potential. Back to verse 32. A shepherd boy became king. David. A farmer became a general. Gideon. A failure became an example. Samson. Name after name. Story after story. What's the lesson? God has not changed. God changed them and God changed the world through them by their faith. And God can change us and God can change the world through us by our faith. God wanted them to live by faith and God still wants us to live by faith and we can live by faith. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Philippians 4 and verse 13. Now the application of tonight's lesson is quite obvious. We need to have the faith of these successful runners, don't we? We need a faith to die for like Abel. We need a faith to live for like Enoch. We need total faith like Noah. We need the faith to live as pilgrims like Abraham and Sarah. We need faith for the future like Isaac, Jacob, and Joseph. We need the faith to say no like Moses and his parents. We need the faith to win like Joshua and Rahab. And we need the faith to run the race successfully like all of the worthies of Hebrews 11 named and unnamed victorious faith faith is the victory first john chapter 5 verse 4 and whatever is born of god overcomes the world and this is the victory that has overcome the world our faith but i want to close with this thought Our faith. That's personal. The key to your victory is not your mama's faith or your daddy's faith. It's not the elder's faith or the preacher's faith. It's not the faith of others in the congregation. What's the key to your victory? Your faith. What is faith? Faith is taking God at his word. Faith is doing what God said do. Faith is doing what God said do in the way God said do it. Faith is obeying God in spite of feelings, circumstances, or consequences. It's all right there in Hebrews chapter 11. Someone said last night, they didn't know if I'd have enough material to get through the meeting on Hebrews 11 or not. Well, you don't know this, but I've got a meeting later this year, and I've got two additional lessons, and I've got too much material for that. I think it's rich, don't you? 
not what I'm saying, but what inspiration is telling us. I want to be in God's Hall of Fame of Faith, don't you? I'm not talking about having our names in marquee lights. I just want to hear him say, well done, good and faithful servant. Don't you? It's going to take our faith. And that faith involves obedience, involves surrender to the Lord Jesus Christ. If you're not a Christian tonight, you can begin that race tonight by confessing your faith that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, being baptized into his death where his blood will wash away your sins. If you stop running, you can get back on course tonight. If you're struggling, we'd like to pray with you. We invite you to come.